Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're staying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Philippians. Today is episode 659, and we're looking at Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Let's read a passage. So then, my dearly loved and longed-for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown, in this matter, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I urge Utica and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. This is Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Paul's had a long relationship with this church. He's been there several times. They've been supportive of him. Epaphroditus has just come with a monetary gift from Philippi, but Epaphroditus got sick. He, we think, was supposed to stay and help Paul, but Paul decided it was best to send him home. And he's sending this letter along with him, a letter of encouragement, a letter challenging them to live up to their faith and calling them to some key issues such as unity, humility, steadfastness, and contending for the gospel. Well, we're in chapter 4 now, so he's starting to wrap things up. He's wrapping up this whole challenge for them to how to live. Here in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, So then, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown in this manner stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Well, he says, so then. That's basically because of all the stuff he said. He's wrapping it up. All that stuff, chapters 1 through 3, so then. Here's what I want you to do. And he says, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters. Several times he said brothers and sisters. But now it's it's not just brothers and sisters. It's dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters. This is much more personal than just saying brothers and sisters. He's wrapping things up. And this shows his true uh, longing for them, his real love for them is genuine. I think calls him his joy and crown. Well, this is probably looking ahead. Now, they are his joy presently, but I think his, the joy and crown is, is looking forward. He's used race metaphor. Like back in chapter 2, verse 16, he talked about the, how he wanted him to hold firm to the word of life. He says, then I can boast in the day of Christ. I didn't run or labor for nothing. So crown, we think of it as something a king would wear. But in this context, it's referring to the prize for running a race. And so like back in 2.16, he talked about that he didn't run or labor for nothing, but it received the crown for finishing the race. And that's what he's referring to here, is that they are the crown he will receive for laboring, for running, that it wasn't for nothing, that they are the crown and his joy. So he's really looking ahead to the return of Christ, that he can look to them and say, see, it wasn't for nothing. Then he adds, in this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. So in this manner. Well, just basically looking back at all he's been talking about. And if you had to sum all that up as to what he's been talking about recently, I think you could maybe say imitating Paul. Because he said, imitate me. And so that's the way you're going to do it. I want you to imitate me and stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Now stand firm. That points back to chapter 1, verse 27. The idea of steadfastness, standing firm. 
Remember, chapter 1, verse 27, this was kind of a theme running through here. He said, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. And he said that he would hear about them and hear that they are standing firm in one spirit and in one accord contending together for the faith of the gospel. So you have these three issues that Paul keeps looking at, referring to. Stand firm, this idea of steadfastness, sticking to it, standing firm. In one spirit, unity, that's been a big theme, unity. And then the in one accord, continue together for the faith of the gospel. It's contending for the gospel. So steadfastness, unity, contending for the gospel, those have been the three big things he's been pushing for. So here, he wants them to stand firm in the Lord. This is the idea of steadfastness. Now, verse 2, he says, I urge Utica and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Well, there's a lot of confusion here, a lot of debate, a lot of ideas, a lot of theories, because who are Utica and Syntyche? Bottom line, we don't know. We don't know anything about them. What we do know, though, is that this is odd for Paul to name two people like this. Often, whenever he names somebody, it's commending them. Either it's someone with him that he's sending greetings to the people he's writing to, or people at the church he's writing to that he's greeting himself or mentioning. He mentions people to brag about them, but somebody who's done wrong or is in the wrong, he rarely ever mentions anyone by name like this. So what's going on here? Well, and he goes on to describe them. They've contended for the gospel at his side. So these are people he knows, people he has an ongoing relationship with, people who've been faithful workers contending for the gospel with Paul. So I think the fact that he does name them shows that he's not so much scolding them, but just calling them out to get beyond the problem. And it's because of he does have this close relationship with them. And so I urge Utica, I urge Sinti to agree in the Lord. So for something something going on, they are not in agreement on. Now their names, the name Utica basically means success. The name Sintiki means lucky. And she's named after the goddess of fortune. So the fact they both have these names of pagan origin implies they're Gentiles who have become believers, but they've got a long history with Paul, and Paul's calling them to get over whatever it is they're disagreeing about. And notice it's agree in the Lord. Paul doesn't pick sides and say who's right or who's wrong, and really the issue isn't who's right, who's wrong. The issue is they are in disagreement. And what's the problem? Unity. That's been a big issue with Paul. Unity. You guys need to come together in the Lord. Well, what if they can't agree on what it looks like to be in the Lord? Well, they need to get over it and come together in unity to have the same mindset. He talked about that back in chapter 2, verse 2, of having the same mindset. And we just talked about in chapter 1, verse 27, Unity, standing firm in one spirit. Unity is a big deal to Paul. Well, what if they still can't get over it? Well, sometimes you need help. And that's where verse 3, he says, Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who've contended for the gospel at my side. Okay, so he's asking somebody else to step in and provide some help. I ask you, that's singular, 
true partner. So who is the true partner? Bottom line, we don't know. But there's some clues and there's some good guesses. So singling the person out like this probably indicates they're not a native Philippian. But someone who's close to Paul, my true partner, best guess is Luke. We know Luke was with Paul in Rome when Paul wrote Colossians and Philemon. And he probably wrote those during the first part of his two-year imprisonment that Luke talks about in the, at the end of the book of Acts. And the best guess is Philippians written toward the end of that two-year imprisonment. And, and Paul's discussed that here in this letter to the Philippians, that he expects hopes to be released sometime soon. He also pointed out he was sending Timothy because he didn't have anybody else who was like-minded with him in Rome, which implies Luke is not with him right now. So Luke was with him in Rome, but Luke's not with him now in Rome. And we know Luke seems to, and again, it's somewhat guessing, seems to have had a good relationship with the Philippians in the book of Acts. Up to chapter 16, Luke describes things in we narrative. We did this, we did that, until they get to Philippi. And when they leave Philippi in Acts 16, it stops the we part. And Paul refers to them, they, Paul and his companions. So it sounds like there, Luke stayed in Philippi. When Paul and Silas and Timothy left Philippi, Luke stayed behind. And you don't see we again until Acts chapter 20, when they return to Philippi, and then the we resumes. And that's five or six years later. So it appears, again, we can't say for sure, but it appears that when they left Philippi in Acts 16, Luke stayed there for four to six years until they came back to Philippi in Acts 20, and then Luke rejoined Paul. And then Luke, we know, was with Paul in Rome because of his comments on people with him in Philemon and Colossians. But now it seems he's not. So best guess is Paul had sent Luke to Philippi, and maybe that's what prompted them to send the monetary gift via Epaphroditus to Rome. And so who's the true partner? I go along with the idea it's Luke. Does it matter? Not really, but these are questions we always have. So. He's asking this true partner to help these women who've contended for the gospel at my side. Here he's speaking of, they've been valuable members of the ministry. And he adds, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. So he's saying, these women, they've been valuable co-workers of me. So is Clement and the rest of them. So those are probably all people of Philippi who he's just talking about have been co-workers with Paul contending for the gospel. So what's the lesson for us in all this? The big point here is the Utica and Syntyche problem. Well, disagreements do happen. And they happen in church, and they happen a lot. Because we're dealing with people. And as people, we have opinions. And we like our opinions. I always say, if I didn't think my opinion was best, I would change my opinion. So I think my opinion is the best opinion. And so do other people. They think their opinion is the best. And sometimes we get... Head to head, and we can't agree. We have a disagreement. So what do we do with it? Well, we focus on the gospel. 
Paul said, I urge them to agree in the Lord. Allow the Lord to be the source of our unity. It's got to be the source of our unity because then it's beyond our own opinion. It's what does God want? What has God said? Well, sometimes there we still disagree. I think God wants us to do this. I think God wants us to do that. And sometimes we have difficulty coming together in unity in the Lord. That's why we need the help of a mature Christian to help reconciliation. That's what Paul's calling for here. He's calling for his true partner to step in and help them. My own suspicion here is that Luke has tried, and perhaps that is what's prompted Paul to write this letter and send Epaphroditus back, is maybe Luke somehow communicated via Epaphroditus, I've tried to help this problem and I can't seem to help. And so maybe Paul's sending this letter endorsing Luke's help. We don't know. But often we do need help. We need somebody else to step in and bring about reconciliation. Act as a mediator, not to say who's right, who's wrong, but to guide the two people to come together in the Lord. That what matters is the Lord is honored. The Lord's name is upheld. The gospel is advanced, not my opinions. The goals, unity, steadfastness, contending for the gospel. And another thing that Paul threw in here was a big, healthy dose of humility. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Philippians.